Stanford likes to act like the big brother when they're playing at home in Palo Alto. They're always a tough conference out playing at uh, Maples Pavilion. Let's go to the phones right now on the Quack Attack where we're joined by the voice of Stanford football and basketball, Scott Reese, a former ESPNer, and he's been the voice of uh, Stanford Athletics for the last five years now. Scott, thanks for joining us tonight. How are things down there? Uh, Good, good. All is well down here. I was actually going to lead with that. What's uh, morale like around Stanford basketball, considering uh, the program was playing really well earlier this month and then has gone through a three-game losing skid, albeit to some good teams, but what's morale like right now for Stanford? You know, this team is so focused on the one-day-at-a-time thing, and it's it's cliche and you never want to hear it, but, but they, they don't think about winning streaks and losing streaks and schedule coming up. I mean, they, they are just dialed in on one, on, on the next game. So uh, morale doesn't really change, and Coach Hass and his staff deserve a lot of credit for that. These guys are as even keel as I've seen uh, in, you know, a lot of years in following the program. So, you know, they, they took their lumps in L.A., as I think most teams will, going to USC and UCLA. They lost by two to Arizona, had a chance to win at the buzzer, so uh, you know it's uh, a function of uh, the, the the toughest two weeks of the schedule. They went one and three, but now they come home and, and hope to get well there. Well, that mindset is uh, is certainly um, appreciated in college basketball, where the kids' minds from eighteen to twenty two years old aren't exactly reaching their peak maturity yet. But at Stanford, I know that's kind of a different conversation. That being said, Scott, the the fact that these games, I know UCLA wasn't close, but the Arizona game a couple weeks ago was a nail-biter. The USC game last week was a nail-biter. Are the, Do you see these kids wearing their emotions on their sleeves at any point with these close losses? Uh, you know, for about 10 minutes after the game, uh, and, and they're pretty good about turning the page. Um, you know, it's this is all about kind of bigger picture stuff, and, and Coach Hass really... Um, emphasizes that that you know, there's going to be growing pains. You're talking about turning a program around, you know, that has been in the NCAA tournament once in the last nine years. So it's baby steps, and we've seen a lot of progress in conference. Uh, you know, they, they bolted out to that five and one start. But really, uh, with the exception of UCLA in the last game, every game was a nail-biter. Every game was close, win or lose. In fact, they, uh, they, they, they fell that uh, one game short, uh, UCLA game short, of a, an incredible streak. They would have been the first team, or excuse me, the second team in three decades to play nine straight conference games in single digits in terms of margin. I mean, that's how close all the games have been. So, uh, you know, the blowout, I think, was the aberration. I think Stanford's going to be in just about every game, win or lose, and, and it's been exciting. I think that's that's one thing that the kids are really taking hold of, that, that it's been a fun brand of basketball, and, and, and we're seeing the, the steps in the right direction. Speaking of the head coach, Jared Hass, he's in his second year after four really good years at UAB, 14 wins a season ago. Um, and an impressive recruiting class in his full first season at the helm at Stanford. What's Jared Hass's personality like? How is he fitting into the role of head coach at Stanford basketball? Beautifully. Uh, I think he is the perfect fit for this program. Um, you know, he, he is the perfect blend of, of passion and intensity, but not taking himself uh, too seriously. Uh, he, he he knows when to, to buckle down and, and to you know get up in the guys' grills, and he knows when to, to joke around and, and you know be their friend. And, and he just he's very relatable. He's he's a relatable, easy to talk to guy, um, very approachable. And and he's also the other thing I love about him from a media standpoint is he's very transparent. You know, he doesn't speak in cliches uh, as much as some other coaches do. When you ask him after a game, you know, he'll tell you, you know, we stunk in this particular area, or you know, we were really good in this place. But but he'll give it to you straight. So. 
uh, to answer your question, love the fit. Um, I love the direction of the program, and, and you mentioned the recruiting class. I mean, this freshman class at Stanford is absolutely fantastic, and we're seeing some of the fruits of that now, and we're going to see a lot more in the next couple of years. Yeah, some of those fruits were on display in that UCLA game. I know Dejon Davis had a career high with 23 points. He had a, a buzzer beater earlier this year. I loved your call on that against USC. Uh, what's Davis like in terms of being a freshman fitting in on this roster that's trying to establish its upward trajectory? You know, he, he has that sort of it quality that you want in a point guard. Um, he's just a natural leader. He's a quiet leader, um, but but I think his play, his teammates gravitate toward him and they follow his example, and you can see that even as a true freshman, I think, which bodes really well. Um, so, you, you know, he, he took his lumps early on this year. Turnovers were a big issue in the non-conference. I think at one point, you know, nine or ten games in, he was leading the nation in turnovers, which is never a good thing. If, you know, 350 teams out there, uh, but he's been so much better in that regard, and you, you're seeing the emerging star now of games like UCLA and, and, and what he's done, particularly in the last four or five games. So, um, it, 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 the future is so bright, and we know. I mean, you guys, you know how important a, a, a great point guard can be in the future of a college basketball program, and Stanford couldn't be in better shape in that regard. It's fun watching a college basketball team that's got a strong front court presence, and Stanford has exactly that with the junior Reed Travis and the senior Michael Humphrey. Uh, speaking of Reed in particular, I know he kind of broke out in a big way last season. Now he's averaging over 19 points a game this season. Has had a flurry of double-doubles in there, too. What's Reed's game like on the court, and what kind of person is he like off the court? Um, again, not to sound like a broken record, but another just terrific individual off the court. Um, very likable. Um, he's been a three-year team captain, so that obviously speaks volumes. You know, not, not a lot of guys can say they've been captain of their college basketball season or team for three straight seasons, and, and, and he may be a fourth because he can come back next year if he wants to, and, and he'd undoubtedly be a captain again. So um, in terms of on the court, I think most people are, are familiar with his game. Um, you know, the, the, the comp, I think, early on that we used was John Brockman from Washington a few years back, just an absolute you know, glass-eater, double-double machine. Um, Reed isn't quite the rebounder that Brockman was, but he's a better offensive player, and he's also added the three-point shot to his repertoire in spots. He's not a great three-point shooter, but prior to this season, he never took one, and now he's, you know, taking one or two a game. So, um, you know, he's expanding his game a little bit. Uh, his free throws obviously have gotten a lot of publicity, gotten better over the years, but just a, a terrific, solid, and at times dominating player, and, and obviously a, a guy who Stanford leans on heavily. Scott Reese joining us here on 102.9-750 The Game. He's the play-by-play voice of Stanford football and basketball. Ducks and Stanford coming up this Saturday. So, Scott, when Stanford is clicking, when things are going well for them, what are they? how are they executing on the floor? What does that look like? Um, they're not turning the ball over. I think that's, that's a big part of it. And, and when you've got four freshmen in heavy rotation, uh, including the point guard, you know, turnovers are going to be an issue. And, and like I said, it, re- it was a big issue with Dejan early in the season, and he's been much better about that in conference play. Um, so I think that's part of it. Um, when the turnovers are low, uh, they tend to have a lot of success. Um, everything else is, is sort of even keel. They're a, they're a pretty good but not great shooting team. Uh, they're a really good rebounding team, and that pretty much uh, stays steady game to game, win or lose. And, and like I said, the margin has been so thin that it's hard to say, well, they've done this in their wins and they've done this in their losses because the wins and the losses have been separated by like three points. So, I mean, honestly, it's, you know, it's, it's, they've been pretty steady in conference play other than that UCLA game. Now, the one thing that's been a big red flag has been the free throw shooting. It's been really 
really bad for much of the conference, and they're better than that. I mean, they've got individually guys who are capable of being good free-throw shooters. So, again, some of that goes to freshmen. Some of that goes to, you know, the, the mental grind of a team that is trying to figure out how to win close games. And, and to their credit, they have won more than they've lost. They're 5-4 and four in conference. But, uh, you know, the free-throw shooting has been a concern. But other than that, don't turn it over, and, and good things happen. I think that's kind of the mantra. You mentioned them keeping an even keel amidst a three-game losing streak, but I also got to imagine some of that is just victim of circumstance. I mean, Arizona's a really good team, and they've won six in a row. USC is finding themselves. They've won six in a row. UCLA is always tough to beat down in uh, L.A. Stanford knows that. And you look ahead at this schedule, Scott, and Cardinal got games at home, of course, with the Beavers and Ducks. Utah and Colorado and Cal all on the road, all in the bottom half of the conference. Home games with UW and Wazoo and then finishing on the road at Arizona. I know this team, in terms of the roster and coaching staff, is always just looking one game ahead, one foot in front of the other. But is there not a thought? Is there not a a narrative that could suggest Stanford piecing this thing together and then re-finding themselves here down the stretch and making a big push toward March? From the team, no. I promise you they're not thinking that. From the broadcasters, yeah, absolutely. We talk about it every game. You know, we're aware of the schedule, and the fans are aware of the schedule. And, you know, if you look at, uh, in a vacuum, you look at the next nine games, Stanford will be favored in five of them. And, you know, so if you, you, you know, you can play the game, it says, well, you win the games that you're favored, and then you steal one on the road in, you know, in Utah or in Colorado, you're six and three, and then, you know, you're at least in the conversation. The problem with Stanford is they had so many bad losses in the non-conference they can't get back in that NCAA conversation without doing something extraordinary. And by extraordinary, I mean, you know, going 7-2, and two, winning at Arizona, something along those lines. They just, the numbers don't add up because of the early season losses. But that said, this is a team that could certainly uh, not only go 6-3 and three in, the, in the back and, and finish in the top four, maybe in the conference, but this is a team that teams aren't going to be excited to play in, in Vegas. And I think that's, you know, one carrot that's always out there is, well, anybody can run the table. But this is a team that is fully capable of running the table. They've beaten SC. They've beaten UCLA. They've beaten Arizona State. And they came within two points of Arizona, a game that they were up by 11 points with about eight minutes to go with the Wildcats. So, uh, you know, th- there is certainly a lot left to play for. An at-large bid is almost impossible for this team, but that doesn't mean the postseason is completely out of the question, and certainly Vegas is there for everybody. In terms of this matchup with Oregon on Saturday, high-profile game. It's going to be televised on Fox. I'm sure the vibes around the the pavilion in Stanford is, is going to be high. What do you see with this matchup with the Ducks? It's it's a good matchup. Uh, Oregon is always tough, and, and you know the, the games uh, have swung uh, largely in, in recent years on where the game's been played. You know, obviously we've had a lot of trouble playing up in Eugene, and, and you know, we've had some success against Oregon, even when the, the Ducks have been ranked. We've beaten them a couple times down here in, in Northern California. Um, and this is an Oregon team that's, you know, also getting better as the season goes on, which we expected with all the new faces, and, and Dane is one of the best coaches in college basketball, and everybody knows that. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's one of these games that could be really, really electric and high-scoring and exciting the way both teams play. Uh, and, and and Stanford, this isn't like the plotting 
Stanford teams of the past where they want to score in the you know 55, 60 points every game. They can push pace. They're averaging 78 a game in conference, and obviously the Ducks want to push pace. So I think that uh, you know it has all the makings of what should be a lot of fun. And, and you mentioned the national TV and everything else uh, in, in in the afternoon on Saturday. So I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Scott Reese, play-by-play voice of Stanford football and basketball, joining us on the game in his fifth season in that role at Stanford. And Scott, before I let you go, I also wanted to pivot back to your background. With the mothership, when you were at ESPN for, uh, I believe, eight years at the turn of the century, is that right? <laughs> yeah, turn of the century sounds like a long time ago, but you, <laughs> at least you didn't go turn of, a, of the uh, millennium. So that's uh, good. Man, uh, yeah, I should have re- rethought that. But that being said, those were <laughs> those were formative years for me as a sports fan, and I remember uh, watching you and your role there. Um, of course, I remember you filling in on some sports centers along the way, but could you share you know, a couple of memories from your time working at ESPN? Who were you? close to and what was it just like to be in bristol during that time wow i mean that's a question that would take about four days to answer <laughs> um but but i will say this it it is there's a reason that it's the worldwide leader in sports and i think that the landscape has changed and it's a slightly different product not slightly it's a, it's a vastly different product than it was 10 years ago and 15 years ago but the the the, the resources the level of production the talent, and I don't just mean on air, I mean production uh, producers and directors and graphics and researchers and just the overall talent is so far and away above anything else that I've ever seen. And I've worked in local and I've worked at regionals, but I mean ESPN is completely in a class in and of itself in terms of that. And it was, uh, you, you say formative, I mean that doesn't begin to describe it. I, I can't imagine you know my career without having been there. It's just that big a part of, of what I do and still the way that I do television and, and sort of every fiber of my, my TV being. So it, without getting too, you know, crazy off the wall here, it's, it's an unbelievable place. Um, I still talk to some of the guys. Um, I have just a limitless respect for some of the on-air guys that you see, guys like Scott Van Pelt and John Anderson and, and Steve Levy and, and Reese Davis. I mean, the list goes on, but just th- th- these are – they are so incredibly good at what they do, and I think we take it for granted because we watch them every night, but uh, it's really a cool place. Bachelor's degree in 93 in communications from Stanford, master's in 94 from Stanford in sociology. I know that uh, your broadcast career path from that point through your time at ESPN landed you back in Palo Alto around 2013, taking over for the renowned Dave Fleming. Scott, I say all that just to ask how fulfilling is it for you at this point in your career to be back with the Stanford Cardinal doing play-by-play for football and basketball, let alone the fact that you're in the Bay Area sports scene day in, day out? Coolest thing ever. You know, and and ESPN, you know, you say, well, that's the pinnacle of the TV career, and, and, you know, that may be true, but... To be able to do play-by-play for your alma mater, you know, when you're a diehard fan and you're watching to every game and you're listening to every game, and you know, I remember doing the student radio when I was at Stanford. To think that now I do this professionally and, and get paid to do it, and, and you know, it's, it's one of my jobs. It's awesome, and any sports fan can relate. But sitting courtside for every home game and sitting in the booth for every football game, especially with the run that, that football's had over the last, you know decade it's it's an honor and it's just more fun than you can possibly know follow him on twitter at stanford voice scott reese play-by-play for stanford football and basketball the cardinal get the beavers thursday night and the ducks saturday afternoon scott you've been very generous with your time thanks for joining us here on the game no problem anytime